Welcome back to Stream Roots, our podcast for pastors and those pursuing ministry. And we are here for our part two on the problem of plagiarism and how to become a better preacher. And if you haven't listened to part one, go back and do that right now. Uh, and with us here is Dr. Chris Rapazzini from Moody Bible Institute as our special guest. And really this episode, we're going to focus on how to become a better preacher. Our first one was the problem that exists out there. That's a problem for way more people than we want to say, and many of us in ways that we don't even think about. Uh, but now, not only do we identify the problem, but how do we fix that? And today we're going to talk about how to become a better preacher or communicator of God's Word. So welcome back, Chris. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Mark. And with me as well is our producer of Stream Roots, my friend and brother in the Lord, John Blosser. Hey, nice to, nice to talk to you again, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to. You guys are awesome. You know, <laughs> you guys are just amazing. Wow, that's that's very. You're doing high. a great job. This You're doing why... a great. I love your I love your podcast. I love wow, it. thank you. Yeah, this is why we invited him. Yep. By the way, yep. so <laughs> yeah, this is great. Well, so so I'm in I'm in Chicago. I teach at Moody Bible Institute, and I have that long commute in, and I'm always looking for great podcasts, yep. and so I'm always turning to yours. So thank you so much for I, I can actually can now be a guest. Finally, you finally asked me to be a guest. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Eleven episodes in, and there we go. <laughs> there we go. Yep. So, and and streamers also, it's a uh, a product of Barnabas Ministries. I love Barnabas Ministries. Just pastors investing in other pastors, and this is really important for our episode today. Is, is how to become a better preacher. You don't do this mm. in your closet by yourself. No. Now, part of it is because you got to seek God in prayer, but the idea of collaborating, the de- the idea of learning from others. The idea of of helping you refine your communication style and how God uses you, and and again, I, I love Chris because he helps me to be more clear and concise. And you said, "Hey, you're preaching for forty minutes. You really should go about thirty two minutes." <laughs> and that was a you know you get some good words, but you have a friendship that you can speak into people's life about those things, and those those are really really actually really important. And so my church wants to thank you for that, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you, got, you always got to quit before your audience does. Yes. Okay. Quit before they do. Yep, yep. So. And if you're a guest, I got this, I think from you a long time ago, make sure you stay. If you're a guest preacher, stay in the allotted time if you want to be invited yes. back. So Yes. Or less than. Yes, yep. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump into this. Uh, how to become a better preacher. This is yep. your wheelhouse right here. Really. You've been studying this for decades now. Uh, you are, are gifted by God. This is your spiritual gifting. Uh, you teach this, you train the next generation and all generations above you as well. I, I've been to your yeah. class. I've, I've helped yeah. in there and I've seen how many men and women are in those classes uh, from all generations and ethnicities and pretty much all nations really. Um, so like, let's look at this question here of how do we become better preachers and communicators of God's word and truth. How, how do we do that, Chris? Yeah, well, I think the the easiest answer is to say, uh, just keep preaching. Mm. You know, the more you do it, the better you will get. Um, and while there is a lot of truth to that, I think there also needs to be good instruction and good feedback along the way. Okay. Uh, because you could just be doing something, but you could be doing it wrong for 30 years, you know? So just because you have a longevity doesn't mean you're actually doing it correctly. Um, 
So there needs to be, you know, that, uh, that preparation, that training, and then the constant, I think, evaluation and feedback of one's own uh, preaching. Mm. And so it's, I think it begins, you know, uh, like many of your listeners have done or are doing, uh, starting uh, in school or at a seminary. I'm not saying that you have to go to seminary to be a great preacher. For mm. instance, I work at Moody Bible Institute, and D.L. Moody himself did not go to seminary. Um, but that doesn't mean that there was an urge or a desire and a passion to learn more about preaching yeah. from those who have been doing it or those who can teach it. So I think learning from other people, um, whether that's taking classes, whether that's reading great preaching books, which there is a, a plethora of, or articles or magazines or listening to podcasts, I think there needs to be a hunger and a desire to want to learn and to grow this part of your ministry because it is it's it's so huge for the health and the well-being of a congregation. Mm, okay. So I think yeah, that's for starters. Yeah. All right. So I preach uh, pretty much every week. I, you know, I take weeks off, um, mm. but there's other classes I teach and stuff. And so one of the things for me, and I would love to hear some of how you start, is first and foremost, right? It's I I go to the Lord, and so before I listen yeah. to anything else or read anything, I want to go. And be with the Lord. And in Jeremiah 23, I love that chapter, yeah. by the way. It was the opening for yeah. part one. Uh, God asked a question, and he says, Who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Who has paid attention to his word and listened? And then he goes on to say, I, I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. He says, but, and he gives a promise here. I love this, and I feel like this is so underrated. I've never seen this in a preaching book, uh, which... Chris, you should put this in your next book, by the way. Uh, okay. <laughs> but but if they would have stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word, they would have proclaimed my words to my people mm. and would have turned them from the evil of their ways and the evil of their deeds. And so I think for me uh, is I start with getting just to the Lord, getting into the word, reflecting, thinking, yeah. reading it over, over, over again. I actually, I think in order to become a good preacher, you need to be a good listener mm. to God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that's where I start. And so what about you? This is your this is your expertise. How does that look for you to uh, communicate God's word? Where does that start and how do you refine that? And what are some really helpful things you picked up along the way? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, let's talk about then how to become a better preacher, specifically, you know, week by week. Okay. And yeah, you're right. Um you start in prayer, right? Start in prayer. Um, and of course, then God's word so that uh, your spirit is aligning with the Spirit of God. Yeah. Um, and I think you you hit the nail on the head there, Mark. You must have been listening in your classes, <laughs> in your preaching classes, because, yeah, <laughs> you need to be a good listener. Uh, you need to be a good listener. Uh, listen to uh, God's Word, but then also listen to your listeners. Mm. Um, where are your listeners coming from? What is going on in their world? Because you want your sermons to hit home. You want them to be effective. You want to preach to their lives. Yeah. And if you don't know where they're coming from, if you have not spent the time listening to them, um, if you don't know what's going on in their worlds, then you, um, you know, you, you're just, you're not going to impact them, right? You're not going to connect with them. You're not going to get them engaged. So you have to listen to God, but also listen to your listeners. Um, so, uh, then, of course, you know, you have your passage of Scripture, um, 
And let's just say we're doing expositional uh, preaching where it's more verse by verse or passage by passage. Yeah. Um, break it down. I would also say, and this is this this is my own personal thing. Don't go to the commentaries right away. Mm. I think I think commentaries are good, but I like to say use them to check your work, not to dictate your work. Because say that again. Yeah, use the commentaries to check your work, not to dictate your work or not to um, uh, totally influence your work. Now, again, commentaries are good, okay, uh, but they could be wrong, mm-hmm. all right, because mm-hmm. I work alongside some of these people, all right, and I think they're wrong sometimes. Um, I hope they're not except, listening. No, not at all. <laughs> well, I was going to say... Except for the Moody Bible oh, commentary, right. which you can, that's, you can trust that one, <laughs> right. you know, take that one to the bank. But no, but even seriously, like, so I, 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 you know, take my passage and then, you know, I've, I've been theologically trained, just like your listeners, they're being theologically trained. They know right. how to do good exegesis and hermeneutics, so do it yourself. And then when you're done with the exegetical hermeneutical part, then go to the commentary to see if, oh, wow, I, I I did miss something. I need to make sure I include that. Mm. But I think the tendency is for uh, preachers, particularly young preachers, is they go right to the commentaries, and then they're already getting into somebody else's work and somebody else's world. They're not listening to God. They're listening to, you know, Professor So-and-so. And so it's just best, I think, if you start in your own study in your own walk with the Lord, try to figure out what the passage is saying. Try to summarize it in one uh, one sentence, one big idea, so then you know what it is you're trying to communicate to your listeners. Yeah, Chris, would you would you equate that to you know using like an ESV study Bible, for example, like not to okay. immediately jump into the back and start checking that stuff out? Yeah, so I think. I think study Bibles are okay. You know, and when I think of a study Bible, like, I, yeah, I have the ESV study Bible. I have a NIV study Bible as well, where they have notes at the bottom. Right. You know, uh, because I think that's okay, because those are um, commonly agreed upon um, uh, interpretations of the text, you know. And so I think that's okay, because you, you actually have a team of people who are, uh, proposing that and putting that forward. So study Bibles, yes, I would say you could start with them, but when it goes to the actual commentary books um, that are usually written by one person, you know, each book is written by one professor or one doctor or something like that, um, hold off on those. But yeah, go ahead and start with the study Bible. That, I think that's fine. Okay. Yeah. So What do you think? I don't know. Yeah. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you go first, and then I'll. You can I'll, disagree. That's fine. I'll chime disagree. in with how I pick worship songs for the week. Uh, okay, the Christian top hundred. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. I listen to Christian pop, top one hundred, whatever, and then yep, just point my finger. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> the Bible roulette. Yep. Um, I guess I I want to p- hear more from you, Chris, because you're okay. really good. But I'll I'll just chime in and say this. Uh, you know, one of the life-changing passages for me out of the many in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 14, where it says, pursue love and earnestly desire the deeper spiritual gifts, right? Or uh, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And Paul is talking about uh, to be able to speak into people's lives with God's truth. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, mm-hmm. man, I remember I'm not a natural communicator. 
uh, before I knew Christ. Um, but I remember pursuing and wanting this. Lord, I want this. I desire this. I'm seeking this. Help me to communicate your timeless truth well and rightly. So first, you got you got to earnestly desire it and seek after it. And so I think that's really important. And you always develop because uh, I think we had a professor at Moody back in the day who would say, you never preach a perfect sermon. And so that's part of it. And then from one of the things that I've gleaned over the years was uh, from one of my favorite preachers from a long time ago uh, was Charles Swindoll. And Swindoll would always have three questions he would ask himself before he would ever put together a sermon or at the end of it as he was going through. And he would say, is it accurate? First, I need to make sure it's accurate. We can't uh, proclaim something that's not true and right from God's word. So is it accurate? And then he would say, is it clear? All right, is this clear to who I'm communicating to? Will it come across clearly? Because, again, if it's cloudy in my mind, it's going to be a disaster for people listening. So not only is it clear in my mind, but is it going to be clear to people who listen? And, and then he would say, is it helpful? All right. So is it accurate? Is it clear? Is it helpful? Because God's word's living and active. And so I love asking those three questions um, when I come at the beginning of the message that I'm preparing and then also at the end of it. Right? Is it accurate? Is it clear? Is it helpful? And so I, I think that helps me uh, proclaim God's word better. John, what were you going to say? Well, just to, just to piggyback off of what you were saying with, you know, for not necessarily a pastoral position, but for, you know, a worship pastor where I'm not necessarily you know, exegetically preaching the word, but I'm trying to communicate, you know, through music, mm. the themes of the passage, right? So, you know, for, for this past week, um, my pastor was in Luke chapter eight. We're talking about um, the disciples being on the, the water with Jesus and, you know, not having the faith of, you know, uh, trusting in the Lord to, to bring you through any storm of your life, right? So when you're, when you're looking at those passages and dissecting like, okay, what are the main themes? Exactly what you were talking about. What's the best song that I can use in my cat, in my library mm. that'll communicate that message. Yeah. So for instance, I used cornerstone, even though it's an oldie, it's a goodie. <laughs> so that's what, that's what we did. Nice. You know, through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone. Christ alone. Cornerstone. The weak song. made strong and the Savior's <laughs> love. Keep going, John. So it's not random, but it's part of that. Yeah, I like that. It's intentional. Sure. So, Chris, what would you counsel people to do or even for yourself to become a better preacher? What does that look like? Yeah. Well, oh, I just have them listen to you sing Cornerstone all the time. <laughs> no. don't, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to give us a little concert here? Uh, no, not right now. I know my gifting, and that's not one of them. <laughs> well, um, I think it's acknowledging, Mark, that preaching is hard. Mm. It's hard, okay? Yeah. And I, I mean, I teach this for a living, and I'm intimidated by it. I still find it difficult and challenging to do. Some sermons are a little bit easier than others, but on the most part, week in, week out, I still think it is very challenging. It's hard. But it's necessary. It's yeah. so needed. And we can talk about that later. But um, for me, I, I try to think of it, uh, the sermon in different uh, chunks or stages, meaning, okay, there's the introduction. 
uh, of a sermon. There's a conclusion of a sermon. There, there's the body of the sermon. The body of the sermon is usually when you are dealing with the text and walking people through the text. And so if I'm trying to uh, become a better preacher, I might want to say, okay, what particular area do I need to focus on this week? Don't try to, um, you know, fix everything in one week or even in one season, but perhaps just focus on one particular area. Maybe it's introductions, maybe it's conclusions, maybe it's application, maybe it's illustrations, maybe it's the exegetical work and just uh, try to study that, dive in on that, you know, read articles, uh, do podcasts, have people give you feedback on that particular area. Um, so that you're trying to improve slowly one at a time, right? There's an old saying of you don't want to try to boil the whole ocean at a time because that's impossible. Mm. But if you, you can boil a pot of water at one time. So, um, yeah, focus on one area and try to improve there would be uh, uh, some advice that I would give. Okay, I like that. Don't try to boil the ocean. <laughs> yeah. That's a great illustration, by the way. Yeah. Um, so for people developing their messages, wanting to maintain their integrity, what does yeah. that look like? We talked about this in our part one a little bit, but we're going to come back to it. How do you maintain your integrity, cite sources properly as you develop your message? Right, because there's a difference in writing an academic paper and yep. then you know footnoting something. Where you can't really do that in a sermon. I mean, if you did, you don't want to say, all right, now footnote number seven is this, right? People aren't. They're not reading your manuscript. They're just listening to you. So I think what you could do quite simply is just say something like, hey, I was reading this week in a book by such and such and so and so. Or uh, I heard another pastor give an illustration like this. Um, or, you know, so for instance, you could say uh, one, pa- one sermon I heard, the pastor was uh, using a glove when he's illustrating this. I'm going to use this net. And you're illustrating like catching something. Um, So I think that does a couple things is one, you're communicating to your congregation that, hey, you are studying throughout the week. You are preparing your message. You're not playing golf or pickleball all, you know, every day. Don't talk bad about pickleball. No, (laughs) don't do it. That's not the point. (laughs) Uh, I love pickleball. You're you're actually like working on your message. Um, Two, actually, I think it enhances your sermon because uh, even if you were to use, like I said, just you're going to steal somebody's glove illustration. Now you've changed it to a net illustration and people can then think about how it would work if it were the other illustration. So they're thinking that they're essentially having two illustrations simultaneously and you just you're just giving one. So just change it a little bit and give credit where credit is due. And ultimately, like we talked about before, uh, is that you are maintaining, keeping, and building that trust, that trust with your congregation, so that if they can trust you when you're in the pulpit, they can trust you when you're in their living room and you're helping to counsel them through uh, the deepest, darkest uh, struggle in their life. So, uh, yeah, I think you can build that integrity by just, hey, you know, giving credit where credit is due, and you'll actually earn a lot of uh, uh, trust along the way. Yeah, I like that. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I find that when I listen to other good preachers or communicators, 
sometimes their illustrations will spur something in my own thinking where I developed yeah. my own illustration from that that wasn't theirs, but it yep. helped me just to get the wheels moving. You know what I mean? And then there's yeah. times when I hear a really good illustration. It's like, this is just fantastic. Uh, about a month ago, I used one from Francis Chan where he's, he had a great, probably his best illustration I've ever heard from him. And one of my favorites was he's, he went on the idea of obeying the Lord. And he's like, imagine me telling my daughter to go clean her room. And, you know, I send her up to go clean her room. And an hour later, she comes downstairs and, and I said, did you clean her room? And she's like, no, but I studied it. Uh, I got my friends together. We decided to do a weekly study group about what it means to clean your room. I actually went to the original Greek and found out what cleaning your room means. And so I'm like all ready to go. And he's like, okay, did you clean your room though? And she says, no. See, the point isn't just what information we take in, but God wants us to walk in obedience to him. And I just thought that was an amazing illustration. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I just borrowed Mm -hmm. this from Francis Chan and no big deal because I think what a lot of stuff he says is good. So if people are going to listen or read some of his books, I'm good with that. I want people to grow in those things. So there's power yeah. in using illustrations from others when you properly cite them because you're pointing your people to uh, people you trust to, yeah. to help them become like Christ. And you you can say, you know, the person, you know, like, hey, this was from Francis Chan. Um, or you could just like, sometimes I like to just say, Hey, I was reading earlier this week and mm. I read this, Yeah, that's good. cite the person yeah. because quite frankly, I might have been reading something that somebody might disagree with theologically. You know, I might be reading a commentary that somebody thinks that person is way off the deep end and they don't like that person. I don't need to tell them who the actual author is that's or the preacher. Yeah. yeah. I just say, Hey, a pastor I heard, or, um, I was, yeah, like I said, I, I listened to this podcast earlier this week because the goal really is to just let your listeners know this isn't my idea. This yes. is somebody else's. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're just giving credit where credit's due and maintaining your integrity. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I like exactly. that a lot. So I think a good question here would be, what are some good resources for communicating, you know, not only preaching on Sunday mornings, but Bible studies and different things we do. What are some good resources to help refine us and grow us that collaborate with others to learn from others? What would you recommend? Yeah. Well, of course, first the Bible, right? That would be, well, <laughs> yes, but you gotta say it. That's good. Praise God. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta be, that's right. Gotta be a spiritually correct here. So yeah. the Bible is our answer, right? Um, actually a resource, one of the top resources that I would actually say, and um, you might give me some pushback, but just hear me out. Is uh, one another, one another. The other people, one another. The other people on your staff, uh, the other people in uh, maybe your team or on your small group, um, or or even uh, in your household, like my spouse. You know, so quite honestly, one of the first resources I use when I'm about to preach is I ask my wife about mm. it. Yeah. Um, because unlike a book or a commentary or an article, I can't really dialogue with those things, but I can with, like I said, a team member, a coworker, or a spouse. Um, and and uh, yeah, just to, to refine me, to sharpen me, uh, when I was pastoring, we always in our um, Sunday worship planning meeting is we would go over the next two weeks sermon messages. And I would come or the the person who was preaching would come 
and say, hey, I've studied it. Here's what I have. We'd read the text together. This is what I think you know, I'm leaning towards. What do you all think? And mm. it was amazing how just their insights from their own studies um, was really helpful and beneficial to, to my own personal study. So that's why I would say, yeah, I might begin with just one another. Um, but then there's other good, you know, good resources, like a good study Bible, um, are helpful. Um, there's a, you know, there's some other books out there, but, um, you know, I think go back to your preaching classes and what were recommended by them, um, I think are helpful as well. Preaching today, uh, I know has some good, I've written some stuff for them on helping preachers preach, and then they have a book of the Bible and it doesn't. Uh, give you exact, you know, it doesn't tell you here's how you should preach it, but rather, hey, here's some suggestions, some ideas on how to do that um, as well. Yeah, I know, I know a lot of my friends, you know, who are in uh, seminary right now, um, you know, I've found a lot of great information from the Gospel Coalition, for example. Um, yep. So there's a ton of resources out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a co- I mean, just, just a couple others that have popped in mind when you said that. So I used to be the president of the Evangelical Homiletics Society, uh, and it's just e-homiletics, uh, e, or just type in Evangelical Homiletics Society, and a lot of their articles are online for free. Um, another book that just came out that I helped with is um, called The Big Idea Companion for Preaching and Teaching, The Big Idea Companion for Preaching and Teaching by um Matt Kim and Scott Gibson. And what they've done is each book of the Bible, they had somebody um, take out pericopes or sections and to break down uh, what is the exegetical idea for each kind of passage. And so, again, I don't think that's stealing, but rather, hey, here's a starter for you to make sure you're on the same page. But even in that, hey, you can disagree. I was reading it. I was reading my work the other day of like, oh, yeah, what did I write for this? And I was like, Uh yes. That's okay, you know, but uh, but it's like I said, a good start. It's a companion. That's what it is. It's a big, the big idea companion. Okay, preaching and teaching. Yeah. What other advice or wisdom can you share with us about becoming a better preacher? What does that look like? Well, like I mentioned, Mark, I, preaching is hard. Yeah, it's hard to do. Um, and it seems like Sunday comes every three days, right? It's like, <laughs> oh, where's the break? Um, one advice I would give is to share the pulpit. Okay. Now, I know that that might be more difficult for smaller churches uh, where there's not many people on staff. But I think one of the um, one of the things that we need to work on is allowing other people to preach, allowing other voices into the pulpit. Now. Those other people hopefully are trained or, um, you know, and you you don't just let them go wild and free, but you help them as a pastor. But I think if you're able to share the pulpit, it does several things. One, um, you have a particular preaching style and so does, so do other people. And your preaching style might not always uh, connect with someone's learning style, your listener's learning style. So by sharing the pulpit, you allow uh, the other learning styles in the congregation, uh, to be heightened so that they can maybe learn something else. Um, two is you get to help bring up elders or, you know, youth pastors in their preaching. Um, three is it also gives you a little bit extra time to work on your sermon. So, so then you're not preaching every week, but maybe you're preaching 
three times a month or, you know, uh, six times every two or three months or something like that. So it gives you more time to work on your own messages and your own sermons. So I think spreading it out would actually help uh, one's preaching. Um, of course, then there's, uh, there's conferences, there's tools you could go to um, to help you as a preacher. But also, I think another aspect is getting good feedback. So that could be of soliciting feedback from people in your congregation um, and, and consistent feedback. Say, hey, for the next three weeks, uh, here's actually a, an evaluation form, and I want you to fill it out, and I want you to give it back to me at the end of the service, and then help me to improve on this. So, or it could be from your staff, but, and make sure that is a diverse group of people that you're getting feedback from. Yeah, so with that, I, again, I might— Ears, my spidey senses go up with some of that. That one, okay. there. I like it. I love it. I think feedback is very important, and I, you, I think you nailed it with the spouse, right? Because yeah. you know, my wife is is awesome, but she, you know, what I mean, even this week, she's like, "Hey, you really didn't define what wisdom means. You just talked about yeah. wisdom," and I was like, "Oh, dang it! I wish you told me that before." Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, um, and I talked about godly wisdom, but the idea of unsolicited feedback, couldn't that be harmful to some pastors? You know, some people who are just negative and critical. What What do you mean by that, of getting that out? Is there just certain people you trust who, you know, they love you, but they're going to be honest? Like, I, I feel like that can really be disheartening. If I would take a poll of our church mm. and, you know, I, and I read some negative feedback from people that I didn't know or whatever or who knew me, um, and, you know, I could be really hurtful. So yeah. what do you mean yeah. by that? Yeah, no, yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for letting me clarify. I think you could get feedback from uh, one of these areas or both of these areas. One feedback from the people who are on staff with you, or okay. the, particularly the people who are invested in the Sunday morning worship service. Yeah, And so that could be um, the sound folks, the sound production you know, people. It could be the... Uh, music team, the associate pastor, or a key elder, or you know several key elders. So yeah. I think um, feedback from them because you're all on the same team. You're all trying to accomplish the same goal, yes. right? It's okay, to, good. Yeah, um, you benefit to, from each other doing well. Exactly right. right. Yeah. Um, so that's one group that I think you should rely on. The other group would be um, people who uh, they love the church. Um, they. Uh, you trust them, but they're from a different perspective, right? So they, maybe they just volunteer at the church. So they're not an elder. They're not paid by the church. Uh, they just are volunteers. Okay. And, you know, maybe find five, three to five of them who you trust and they come from different walks of life, right? So may, maybe some are um, a single mom. Maybe one is a teenager. Maybe one is a CEO or something like that, you know? And so you get these people from different walks of life. You hand them an evaluation form, you know, let them know what you're doing beforehand. Yeah. And then at the end of the service, just get that back from those three to five people so that you can see how they're listening to the sermon and what they are hearing, because what you intend on saying might not actually be what they are hearing. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. And don't do it, you know, for the whole year, but just say, hey, for this month, this series, I want to get feedback from you folks. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I think that's some really good advice. You know, even for me, I had an older man in ministry encourage me to take a sabbatical. 
not mm-hmm. not necessarily a sabbatical where I got postdoctorate work at Baylor, but uh, <laughs> but one where I took a step back from preaching. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that cheap shot, but that's we're friends. We can do those things. Um, where I actually took the month of July is is a lot of people travel very transient yeah. church in the summer. Everyone heads up north for Michigan. Um, yeah. And so I took the month of July off from the pulpit. I still worked, um, but it was nice that, you know, it's like if you do a, your sermon, it's kind of like a turn paper due every week, you know what I mean? Which is right. good. I love what I do. I love it. But it was a nice, refreshing moment to just realign to the Lord and let yep. other, you know, people who were trained, I trained a couple guys and then some of our elders have, have gifts to do it, you know, not every week, but they were there and they did a great job. And uh, yeah. it was just really good for the church to see that. And then also people were, I was surprised how many people in the church said, I'm really glad that you have the freedom to do this and get refreshed. We want you not to burn out. We want you in for the long haul. And we, you know, we want you to know that if you have, anybody gives you any gruff about this, well, we will fight for it. Like I didn't, I would unsolicited just like you deserve not like, you know, you deserve this, but like, we, we want you to have this. Uh, we thought, yeah. we think this is a great idea from some of our key leaders. Uh, our elders were all behind it. Obviously our staff loved it too. Um, but just even people in the church, like, we think this is great. Uh, and so, and, and, and so it was just a really, really good time. So I love that yeah. idea. Uh, what else you got? I think those are really great, helpful tools to help us become better preachers and proclaimers yeah. and communicators. Yeah. You know, a lot of, just cause I'm coming from the academic world too, a lot of schools, seminaries, Bible colleges are trying to reach out to um, pastors and lay leaders to for continuing education. So whether that's making their courses online for free or whether that's um, having them actually enroll in a class um, where you don't have to go through the whole you know admissions class, so a, kind of a non-accredited degree or certificate or some that are just online. So I know Moody, for instance, uh, Moody Bible Institute and Moody Theological Seminary are trying to do these things. And so, um, you know, be on the lookout or, or reconnect with the seminary that you graduated from or the Bible college that you graduated from to see what they have to offer. What are some of those resources? Because that's what we, I believe, as an academic institution are here for. It's not just training, you know, young 20-year-olds or 25-year-olds, but also um, for those who are uh, lifelong learners and want to try to mm. continue their services. We want to come along as, alongside the church to help um, uh, minister ministry leaders grow, and in one of those areas, uh, grow in their preaching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so how have you, uh, Mark, I mean, you, you mentioned the sabbatical. Um, we've mentioned a little bit, too, of how, you know, you've You've asked me to uh, give you feedback on some of your sermons. Um, what are some other areas that you have done, or maybe that you would like to, uh, imp- you know, like to have to improve on your preaching? Or- uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, all of, right? You never preach a perfect sermon, and that's part of it. We yeah. are just broken vessels. We're just vessels. Of, yep. of the Lord. And I think the area that I really want to grow in is just trusting God that his word doesn't go out of his mouth and return void. That's right. So yeah. there's times when I feel like I preach a sermon and I walk off, I was like, oh man, that was not that good. <laughs> and yeah. then someone yeah. will come up and be like, man, that was life 
changing for me. Or and there's other yeah. times where he's like, man, I really did. That was good. Or you think you're, you're walking with a little pep in your step and, and people are like, man, you know. Um, and so I think the yeah. one thing I actually would love to grow in and, and I am growing in, uh, but is a deeper trust that God is in charge and he's got this and he's not, you know, he knows where I am. And, and part of being a follower of Jesus is maturing and growing and bearing fruit. And so mm-hmm. just trust his process as I seek after him and earnestly desire those spiritual gifts that he's going to take care of those things, you know, and, and just being aligned to that. So I think that's an area I really, I'm growing in, but I want to grow in more. Um, right. And then one thing, and I think Chris, you can probably speak on this is you, know, you listen to different preachers. I really like going to other churches as a guest because I don't get to do that very often live. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you notice even with people who are nationally known or people who write books or would say, quote unquote, big following, I notice that their conclusions for many preachers aren't very good or mm-hmm. they're kind of an afterthought almost um, or there mm-hmm. is no conclusion. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I feel like for me, that's something I really want to work on more. And that was, it came from you actually of, Hey, make sure you drive your conclusion in well uh, with like a last thought or, uh, or a challenge or something, uh, wrap up what you said really well, you know, and, and, and don't just go drag it on, but really put some thought into the conclusion because I feel like that's kind of, uh, the forgotten thing. So if you think about like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he mm-hmm. ends with three amazing illustrations right in a row of the tree bearing fruit, of mm-hmm. being built, built on the sand or the rock. And, you know, you know, not many will, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, you know, did we not do this? And, and I'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. So he ends with these three just hard-hitting, great concluding thoughts to his sermon there, uh, the greatest mm-hmm. sermon ever preached. And he leaves it on that, right? He leaves it with like, yeah. now you, where are you? Are, are you built on the rock or the sand? Are you bearing a good tree or, or are you a bad tree? Are you going to hear, uh, I never knew you or do you know me? And so I think the conclusion is just real. I, I want to grow in that more. And I think really pretty much anybody listening uh, needs yeah. to grow in that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, we could do a whole podcast on how to preach conclusions. But yeah, in 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 public communication, public speaking, there's the law of primacy and the law of recency, okay. essentially meaning people remember the first thing you say and the last thing that you say, mm. which is kind of sad for us preachers because they're like, what about the part in the middle, right? <laughs> um, that's the good stuff, right? That's the meat and potatoes. That's when we're in the scriptures. But yeah. um, but it's true. At the end of the sermon, people can tell when the sermon is ending. Yep. Um and they're 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 reaching for something to take with them. And so that's why this conclusion needs to be more than just a summary yeah. of what it is you've said. No, it needs to have, as what Haddon Robinson would call, a burning focus. And um, at this point in the sermon, hopefully you have developed that main idea. You've unpacked the main idea of the text. And you've even shown the implications of this text in someone's life. So this is maybe what we could call the in the body of the sermon, you you're giving the soft application, Mm. right? This is the implication that this text should have on your life. Then in the conclusion, you want the hard application, meaning here's how you can apply this directly to your life this week uh, in these relationships or in your work life or in your family life, right? So uh, that's where you can kind of craft or in, as well as in, in the vision of your church, because you are also the leader of your church if you're giving mm. that message. But even if you're a guest preacher, how do you tie in the application to the specific vision of your church? 
And then what I like to do at the end, and I've learned this from other people, really, I think the person that I learned it from the most is probably Martin Luther King Jr., who has what we call visionary preaching. And you are casting a vision of what it would look like if people actually did what you're asking them to do. Mm. And so you you finish with this hope-filled, and imagine what it would look like if everybody in our church joined a small group. And the next time that somebody in our church family uh, loses a loved one, that they have a group of people that can come around them and uh, pray with them and give them meals and uh, walk them through the next stages of life or whatever. You know, imagine what it would look like if that person that you've been holding a grudge with, now you have forgiven them mm. and your relationship can be restored. That loved one, that brother, that sister, that uncle, that um, or aunt that you haven't talked to in years, now you can have Thanksgiving uh, together again. Or, you know, so you're just painting this picture of what they could do. And so, yeah, when it comes to conclusions, I know I'm kind of getting off subject here. But no, like no, said, I'm actually writing down notes. Time. I'm writing down notes because I love that it's, point. So that was worth the podcast right there, honestly. I love that yeah. visionary conclusion. You know, imagine yeah. what this would look like if you actually took this truth and by God's grace, put it into your life. I love. I, I'm not joking. I, I wrote it down. You might have heard me typing. It was. <laughs> it was that good. So. Yeah, because, well, we want to take people by the hand, but then we also want to show them where we're leading them, right? Mm. I mean, that's you can see that in Scripture, right? God did that with the Israelites, and he said, hey, this is where I'm leading you to. Um, I'm leading you to the promised land. Um, and he gave them a picture, an image of it. And not everybody was able to cross, but though they had motivation to cross because they saw what was there. They yeah. saw what was just around, along the horizon. I think it's uh, one of the Stanleys. I don't know if it's Charles or Andy, but he says something like, you're, you're on the mountaintop. You're gazing out at the stars or you're down at the, uh, you know, on the beach looking at the sunset and just picturing. And, and, and like I said, they're getting it from uh, others who've gone before them. But imagine what um, our church would look like. Imagine what our family would look like. Imagine what the world would look like. Or you could even say things like, imagine what your childhood would have looked like yeah. if your parents did what we're telling them to do, telling mm -hmm. you to do. And here's the here's the beauty of it all. You can make that impact on your kids that your parents never uh, made for you. If you, you know, like I said, um, uh, su you know, submit to one another, love one another, um, give one, you know, to one another or whatever it is. So yeah, paint that picture for them. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, John, any, any thoughts? No, I, I think, uh, I think you and Chris covered them all. <laughs> <laughs> we can go on, but maybe part three. Um, and and uh, and again, I really appreciate you, Chris. Not only your friendship, brotherhood in the Lord, but uh, how you've helped me to be a better minister of the gospel. Um, and yeah. and I think there's some good resources out there too. And you know, if people are interested in in uh, finding that, uh, you I know you're putting together something for Moody about um, submitting sermons yep. and different things. And so maybe yep. we'll post that in the future when that comes to fruition. Yeah. And I think you're going to come out here. We talked about this of holding a one day. Um, preaching seminar, and yep. uh, I don't yep. know what we don't have that in the calendar, but we talked, we dreamed that up. Imagine what that would look like. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we got there you go. Bring imagine it back. what that would look like if just after one day, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah, exactly. Take that picture for him. Yeah, but uh, and and so maybe we'll post that too on our Barnabas Ministries mm -hmm. MI uh, website. Uh, when we when we put that in, and so uh, I got I want to thank you, Chris. You got do you have any uh, last things you would like to say before we sign off here? 
Um, I think the only thing I would say, and I've, I've said this before, you know, I know that preaching is hard, but let me jump off on this just for a minute, but it's necessary. Mm. It's necessary because it's through the preaching of God's word that we can impact and change people's lives, that God can speak through you as his vessel um, to communicate his truth, to communicate the truth of the gospel, and that through the preaching of God's word, lives can change, right? Marriages can be restored. um, uh, Relationships can be healed. uh, People will grow uh, in their walk with Jesus Christ because of our preaching, and that's why it is it is extremely necessary, and we can't neglect that, and we can't neglect the work that we have to put into it. It's hard work, but to much is given, much is required. Mm. And uh, so I'm so thankful that I could be a guest on this podcast, Mark, and I'm just uh, thrill- so thrilled for, for you and where the Lord is uh, leading you. Amen. And again, I want to thank John Blauser, our producer. You, you almost got it. Did I get mess it up? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> what is it? Like if you if you imagine someone, blah blah blah, blah. saying blah blah sir blah sir. There we go. There you go. Yeah, as a preacher, I, I don't pronounce uh, pronounce things always correctly. That's so, okay. Anyway. I I had a I had a professor in college who called me blouser every single day. Blah sir, I got yeah. it. blah blah blah. I'm not a lady. I don't wear ladies' clothing. <laughs> hey, don't worry, John. He it took him about ten years to get my last. Oh, I'm sure. Right, so I'm sure. <laughs> That's okay. It's our first official episode together. I got to heckle him a little uh, bit. <laughs> yeah, without Kyle. Yeah, we miss yeah. Kyle. I hope Kyle's doing well. We love Kyle. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just thanks, Chris, for taking the time and sharing the areas that God has given you a gifting in and sharing that with us. And I just want to sign off here. Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at barnabasministriesmi.org. That's Barnabas Ministries, M-I. That's Barnabas Ministries for Michigan, O-R-G. Stream Roots, drawing deep from the living water of God's Word.